There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to part two of this week's Clash of the Titles, Febru Fanny, the podcast that this February pits two movies with something in common picked by fans of the show and puts them in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, the ballet was too, too much for Natalie Portman, which means today we're going to see if Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons can stick it to Black Swan with this clash <clears throat> as we play Simmons Says... In 2014's Whiplash. Listen up, cocksuckers! Hurry the fuck up. Get your music. Irene only, set one. Rhythm section out first. Tanner, the kit is a fucking tonal catastrophe. Everybody remember, Lincoln Center and its ilk use these competitions to decide who they're interested in and who they're not. And I am not going to have my reputation in that department tarnished. By a bunch of fucking limp dick sour note flatter than their girlfriend's flexible tempo dipshits. Got it? So, which film will snare us and which will have us saying, please say no more? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Thanks. In fairness, that's very good. Thanks. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, so let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Brothers. Not my tempo. <laughs> I'm Alex Zane. That's so stressful. I'm Vicky Crompton. Chris Tilly, I, I was going to do it. It's really annoying. <laughs> I'm in a huff now. See, look at us. Same mind. Same mind. <laughs> uh, so this is part two of this is Clash of the Titles. February Fanny and the pressure to be perfect punch up that is Black Swan versus Whiplash. As you well know, one film will be declared winner in the verdict at the end of this show. Once again, who do we have to thank for this clash, Chris? B. B. For whom both of these films are in her top five. So a lot of pressure for us to not fuck these up. <laughs> mm. uh, uh, everyone ready? Any, yeah. any other business? No. no. I never have any other business. I know you don't. Sorry, I don't is pull this, my weight is, here. Is this a new section of the show? <laughs> AOB? AOB. Any other business? Right, let's do this. On Monday, V took a deep swan dive into the dark side of ballet, which means today I've got something to drum into you. Let me take you on a journey. 
Andrew Nyman wants to be the best drummer in the world and not turn out like his failure of a dad who never became the writer he dreamed of being. Step forward, Terence Fletcher, who genuinely believes Andrew could be the best if only he'd practice a little bit harder. But Andrew is getting distracted by Nicole, the idiot. She's going nowhere. So Fletcher is forced to lean slightly on Andrew to ensure he achieves his dream. Yes, this can sometimes be a little bit shouty, violent and incredibly personal. But damn it, if by the end Fletcher, who may or may not have killed a student... (laughs) isn't proved 100% right, as Andrew, thanks entirely to Fletcher, becomes the best drummer ever, and Fletcher is entirely vindicated. It's a happy ending for everyone. Apart from the student Fletcher may or may not have killed. (laughs) Clash Brothers, for your consideration. Whiplash. So my story with this, exactly the same as Monday. Uh, Watched it once at a press screening to review it. Enjoyed it. Didn't really remember anything about it, apart from obviously the last scene, which sort of is imprinted on your mind. But yeah, I was excited to watch it again. Um, I'd never seen it. So I tried... Netflix informs me I started it and turned it off, (laughs) which is bad. Or or one of your kids did. Yeah. (laughs) Which is worse. (laughs) But honestly, it's not a reflection on the film. I think just the year it came out, I think a child would have started crying and then I couldn't be asked to get into it. Um, So I I wanted to watch it, kind of forgot about it. I'm really glad that it came up because I have wanted to see it because it's brilliant. Mm. Isn't it? Isn't it, Chris? Yeah, I watched this at the cinema and I absolutely loved it. I remember every second of it pretty much. Um, Watched it again probably about five years ago and thought, yep, that holds up. And so this is a third watch for me. Third watch? Okay. Mm. Okay. So efficient, isn't it? Such an efficient movie. Mm. We'll get into that. I mean, this is my uh, my, uh, sort of little segue into what we're going to talk about because, I mean, it's A, efficient in terms of storytelling and Bloody hell. The fact that they shot it in the amount of time they did. Mm. But let me get there. Written and directed by the Wonder Kid, Damien Chazelle, the youngest ever person to win the Best Director Oscar at 32. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> blah. Um, I don't love that movie. Do you I haven't seen movie? it. You've never seen that? No, it's it? not my sort of thing. I don't care right. for musicals of no. any sort. So. Apart from Mary Poppins. I haven't seen Mary Poppins. Don't Fucking make me admit hell. that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why did you say it? Did you say it just to embarrass me? People have seen Mary Poppins by accident. I know, I know, it's bad. Uh, Whiplash, his second film, I didn't know this uh, mm. until I started having a look this week. Uh, Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench was his first film. He was at Harvard and for his uh, sort of master's, I guess, degree, he had to make a feature which he turned into Guy and Madeline on a park bench, which turns out was the inspiration for La La Land, eventually. So after he makes his feature, which gets a limited release, but a lot of critical acclaim, he goes to Hollywood, moves to LA with the dream of making La La Land. And in the meantime, as he's trying to get La La Land off the ground, he becomes a writer for hire. So uh, I've not seen the last exorcism part two, but he... Wrote on that, and he was brought in by J.J. Abrams to rewrite a draft of a brilliant film, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Mm. And he was meant to direct that, but he himself decides that he does not want to direct that. He wants to pursue something else. So at this point, he decides La La Land isn't going anywhere. He can't get it off the ground. No one's interested in what turns out to be a divisive musical. Uh, he said, I just thought, 
that's not working. Let me put it away and write this thing about being a jazz drummer. Because at high school, he was the drummer in the high school jazz band. And J.K. Simmons' character, Mm. which he does say he took to the next level, was based largely on his high school jazz band teacher. Yeah, they, they were apparently like the best high school jazz band in the country they would play at presidential events and wow. open jazz festivals and things and he said that while he wasn't the same as 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 Fletcher in this film he he shouted and he did shout and throw things and and in the same way that Andrew is terrified of him I was terrified of my teacher so that yeah. there are similarities there mm. I couldn't work out what actually happened to the teacher. There are two conflicting stories. One says he's never spoken to him since, and one says the teacher died in 2003. So I actually don't know the answer to that. Interesting. Uh, Right, so uh, Chazelle says, uh, like Chris just uh, said, uh, the words I heard most often throughout all of high school were, you're rushing, you're dragging, not my tempo. Not my tempo. (laughs) It just puts the chill into me. It's terrifying. (laughs) Uh, uh, he was still haunted by nightmares of his trauma in jazz band, so Chazelle says. So the thought entered my mind to make a movie about how fucking scared I was. I wanted to make a movie about a different side of music, about the fear and anguish of it. He was nervous about showing it to people initially because he felt it was too personal. But in the end, he sent it to his agent and his agent puts it out there. No one. <laughs> no one is interested. Until... It lands on the desk of Jason Reitman. Well, how that happens is he spent months prepping to pitch for the movie Ouija, which is a horror oh, yeah. film based on the Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Good she, movie. Um, that's it, wait, is that Mike, that's Mike Flanagan, isn't it? It might be, yeah. Yeah, The he, Origin of Evil. He went in the room and um, everyone hated his pitch, <laughs> uh, apart from one producer, Cooper Samuelson. And so when he sent out Whiplash to everyone, Cooper Samuelson is the only one uh, because he liked him in the Ouija room who, who responded. And he's the one who sent it to Jason Reitman, who I think he's going to say sent it to J.K. Simmons. Yeah. So Jason Reitman, who'd worked with J.K. Simmons on loads of his movies, sends it to J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons is like, oh, man, I love this. Do you think it'll go somewhere? And Jason Reitman's like, yeah, maybe. And so they end up like casting J.K. Simmons in this role. Uh for a short, though, because uh, Jason Reitman quite rightly says, there's no road to the big screen for a full metal jacket set at Juilliard. <laughs> so they convince Chazelle to make an 18-minute short, which he makes, gets accepted to Sundance, wins the jury award. Um, uh, Simmons, when he read the script, was like, uh, his words were, did this kid really write the script? Because he couldn't believe how young Chazelle was. Giselle always wanted Miles Teller from the start because he'd seen him in Rabbit Hole, but he's busy filming Divergent, so he casts an actor called Johnny Simmons in the shorts. No relation to J.K. Simmons. Uh, the short, as I said, does big business at Sundance, and so now funding isn't a problem. They get a $3 million budget, and the feature is go. Miles Teller is in, but here we get to the point which I said at the start. Miles Teller can shoot it, but his availability dictates that they only will have 19 days to shoot this film and then a month to edit it to get into Sundance the following year, which Chazelle is absolutely determined has to happen for this movie. And they do it. Mad. They do it 19 days. Yeah, that's mad. I mean, like this movie, 19 days, $3.3 million budget, looks fucking incredible. Did, did, Did a day of pickups, 20 days. 
<laughs> Shit. You're a dumb fuck! A dumb fuck! It's fine. No. Dumb. Just learn for next should we time. Start, should we start again? I think let's ruined. start the whole thing that again. Ruined. Let's do Black Swan again because of the flow. <laughs> like. uh, so the rest is history. Five Oscars uh, wins editing, sound mixing, and J.K. Simmons. Do you remember that year? I mean, obviously you do because you were reporting on everything, as I was. J.K. Simmons seemed to be uh, like he won Everything that yeah. year. It yeah. was one of those years where there was no like, I wonder who might win. It's J.K. Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's interesting because the studio did not want him. He, um, They put Chazelle under pressure. The names he said uh, he was under pressure to get a bigger budget as well were Kevin Spacey and Jeff Daniels. Okay. Um, wow. But he said it was Jason Reitman that helped him fight that battle to keep J.K. Simmons in it. And he said the other thing that Reitman did for him um, was the studio wouldn't give him final cut. Right. And Reitman, Reitman said to them, well, I'm, I'll be involved. Will you give me final cut? And they said, yeah, we'll give you final cut. And he said, <laughs> and he said Jamie Chazelle, you've got final cut. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. I mean, that's what a producer should do or, or yeah. someone that's just, a, a, you know, a, he's called him like a patron to him, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, huge movie. Uh, well, 49 million on a $3 million budget. And then uh, Chazelle, after this, was able to make blah, blah, blah. Uh, so... <laughs> Shall we go through this film? Yes. Great. Uh, we open, as we did in Black Swan, as our protagonist does what they love doing, performing the art they love. Uh, in this case, it's drums. Andrew Nyman is the fictional, uh, at the fictional Schaefer Academy in New York, at the best music college in the world, probably. And within moments, we meet our protagonist, uh, antagonist, rather, uh, J.K. Simmons, uh, Terence Fletcher, this first meeting, as I said, so efficient, it's brilliant. You immediately get the power dynamic and everything mm. in like such a limited scene. Yeah, and, and also that he enjoys power tripping children. Yeah, it's the like, mind games, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. Like Andy is a child. He's not a gr- he's not mature for his age. He just is his age. Mm. And this older man who should know better power trips children for kicks. <laughs> and that's straight away like the whole I forgot my jacket thing. Not for kicks. Yeah. That's the debate. The whole debate is, is it for kicks or is he actually got a real reason for doing this? And is for he... both, yeah. A bit of both. I don't know. Yeah, for both. I don't think it's for kicks. He enjoys, he enjoys what he does. He enjoys the way he does it. It's all good for him. Like, he he's striving for a purpose and a mission, which is to, to weed out the crap and, and get to the genius and not deprive the world of Charlie Parker. That's... And he also gets off on it. They just used to do. The se- the, no, but the second part you're putting on him, you believe that. Like, he could not enjoy it. Like, he it could. seems like he enjoys it. Like, the bit, I know I'm jumping ahead a tiny bit, but it's like one of the best things. When he, after uh, Andy's in the band and then he's belittled that man, he's like, you're out of tune. We'll get to it in a minute. But when he suddenly relaxes and he's like, just do your best. Enjoy yourself, okay? Oh, my God. And it's the- like, he's going to fucking destroy you. He's going to destroy you. And oh, if yeah. you weren't 19, you would know that. But he knows that you don't know because you're a child. Yeah. Fucker. All right, so... Uh- uh, we find out later, I'll introduce this now because it, it fascinated me. I, I, I didn't realise this the first time I watched it, but Fletcher had seen him at Nassau College and basically plucked him from this, like, low-rent kind of music college yeah, I didn't and get brought that. him to Schaefer. Yeah, I just say, when he's shouting at him, he says, go he, back to Nassau. He said, I'll, I'll send you back. Yeah, yeah. he says, I'll I send you back it, there. It just meant a generic, not here place. No, no, but... no, I, I genuinely, I think there is a, the, the, there's a, there's a subtext here that Fletcher had brought him. Right. I, and you feel that when he walks in the room and he sees him, it's like, this is the kid I brought here. Yeah. The kid may, maybe doesn't know. Yeah. 
but I think Andrew was putting Schaefer because when he calls him a squeaker mm-hmm. in the later scene, you find out later that a squeaker is someone who squeaked in mm-hmm. to the college. Mm-hmm. It's because Fletcher put him there. Yeah. So he brought him there. So the power is already in Fletcher's hand. Yep. So uh, let's meet uh, the lovable, always lovable, Paul Reiser. God, he's so good. Isn't he? He's really good. It's all, he's always good because when he's being nice, you're like, I forgot you could be nice because he's yeah. like... He's Burke. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've never been able to escape that because I didn't watch My Two Dads, but like, I've, I've, I always think of him as Burke. Yeah. And then you watch him in like Stranger Things and this and you're like, oh, he's so fucking nice. <laughs> so they're off to the cinema to see Rafifi. Chris, how's Rafifi? We should do it with the rest of our dogs. <laughs> you seen it. Have you seen no. it? No. No, of course, neither have I. But I, I, I read it and then I looked it up and it's like, a 1955 French film. Silent I was Heist. Like, I, was like, I was like, Chris has seen it. Silent Heist. <laughs> we, should, we should totally do it. Uh, so uh, th- this, this, this whole interaction at the cinema, this whole scene, I, I'm in love with. I, I think it's so good. So the fact that Andrew is awkward with Nicole, uh, the fact that his dad is with him at the cinema and he's not at the, the 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 party back at his dorms. The fact that he doesn't tell his dad that he doesn't like raisinets mm. in the popcorn and will just eat around them. The fact that his dad gets bumped by a guy behind, like in quite a violent way, and neither of them do anything. This whole thing mm. is so efficient because yeah. in, in like about two and a half minutes, you're like, I, I get Andrew. Yeah. I get Andrew yeah. entirely. He's basically, he's never going to stand up for himself. His dad's weak. And like, like it's just well, so Well, no, good. I mean, his dad says, sorry. The man bumps into the back of him mm. and his dad goes, oh, sorry. Yeah. Because a very British thing, like someone's bumped into you and you say, sorry. <laughs> but what his dad has done is diffuse the situation. But his son looks at him like, that's weak. That's I'm a bit embarrassed that you did that. But his dad has done the right thing, which is rather than saying, I'm going, what the fuck did you just do? He's like, I'll say sorry and he'll move on and everything will be fine. So he's done the right thing and it is a strong thing to do, but a 19-year-old wouldn't see it like that. Still weak. He's still weak. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? I, if I, someone I, banged Ted Tilly's head, <laughs> fuck it, are you even asking? Sorry, I can't believe I, I just said that. Chris I, doesn't I, carry a blade I, for no reason. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking about it here. I want my dad to go and punch Fletcher. <laughs> yeah. What, for you? Yeah. yeah. If but I'm then in this his situation. dad does it the right way, call my son. He's like, you know, you I guess it is so. clear. He's he like, I wouldn't, why would I let him do that to my yeah, son and yeah. get away with it? But yeah. the right way is the process rather than the violence. And uh, agreed, that. agreed. Shall we kick start this plot? Uh, Fletcher bursts into the baby band room. Uh, <laughs> hell of an entrance. The door smashes. He looks at what they're playing. Cute. <laughs> Great. Uh, then he makes them spontaneously audition while insulting them. <laughs> it's so, it just gave me such anxiety. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see if the first chair. Let's see if you're just in that because you're cute. Oh, then he plays Ryan off against Andrew. That'll be coming back. Great. It's like the um, <clears throat> another connection. It's like the tapping scene in Black Swan on Monday, where he taps all oh, the, yeah, yeah. the girls, and he yeah. goes, "The ones I tapped," and they're yeah. all like, "Yeah." He's yeah. like, "You go to regular yeah. rehearsal. I'm not interested in you." Power and trip. It, in this, it's uh, Fletcher goes drums with me. And Ryan stands up, he's like, nope, not you. (laughs) So, uh, Andrew getting into the studio band, this is a fascinating thing, which is very subtly introduced in this movie, but I think is a just, I I love it. 
the minute he gets into the studio band, he goes out and asks Nicole out. Yeah, because he's up. Yeah. Because he got positive attention. It repeats at the end. Yeah. When he gets to the JVC yes! and, he, and he rings Nicole and he hasn't seen <laughs> yeah. her for months. It's brilliant. Yeah. Because he doesn't care about getting um, positivity from his father. Yeah. Because he doesn't respect his father. No. But Fletcher is now replacing his father. Yeah. And so that's all he cares about. And it completely changes personality by just getting a nod from him. Mm-hmm. But in a general way, in life, like, like the idea of success in your career bleeding into every other element of your life and suddenly if you have success in something that is fundamentally completely separate to your romantic relationship yeah. or whoever you're with the idea that that buoys you up enough to do things yeah. that you wouldn't normally do yeah and and flip reverse it obviously when things go shit for andrew he then breaks up with her and it's mm-hmm. like it's it's I think it's such an underlying theme of this movie that I just I I I really attached to like the idea of like you're up so you but failure and success yeah like we should completely be independent of any romantic relationship you have mm-hmm. in your career genuinely dictating every other element of your life yeah because he cares so much about that element of his life though mm. like if he had a job that he didn't give a shit about and he got validation from his boss it might not affect his personal life but it is everything to him so when someone gives him the nod and says you you could be something he thinks well fuck it maybe I am then mm. and so I'll go and talk to this girl because I feel amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so it's time for Hunt the out of tune player. Oh God! <laughs> what an anxiety-inducing scene this is. Horrendous. <laughs> it's so right. The only so I don't um I can't play any musical instrument to that level in any Whoa, sense of the word. You're a but, great bassist. Oh, thank you. I am a good. Okay, okay, I am. I mean, it's not hard, but I am okay. But when I was a barmaid in London's West End, so I used uh, the to, lemon flag, the we, lemon flag, yeah, and the lemon. We truth. both worked there. <laughs> That's such a you were a barmaid. Trip. I was a glass collector. I know. Yeah. I was technically your balls yeah. were. It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Before I was at the lemon flag, I was at the lemon tree, which is next to the English National Opera, and so the pit players, as they describe themselves, they would be in pre-show interval post show and they drank really hard really hard and they would talk about their drinking because they weren't supposed and I was really interested so you talked to them about their drinking and they would say when they first started out when they got the gig you know they're in the orchestra they wouldn't touch a drop because it's like you don't drink and play because you get sloppy right but then you get so nervous because this thing that you're brilliant at on one day you can just be bad like you've you've got the technique you've got the experience you've got everything and you can just have a bad night so then to get over the nerves of like is tonight the night that I fuck up you have have a drink then you play brilliantly and then you get into this horrible loop it's like you can't play unless you've had a drink yeah, yeah. and so they would that's just like smash it that yeah. that's not specific to musicians no 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 no. that's but like anyone idea- who does ever, anything ever after a drink goes that was the thing but anything that relies on your phys- on your brain and your your fingers linking up and all of that it was like one day you just lo- you just lose it you just can't do it but i think it's it's something that requires emotion as well. I think yeah. that. I think that. That's the thing. I don't. I don't think somebody goes. My job is to monitor this nuclear power facility. Yeah. Goes. I do it better with a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I think. It, I think it's anything. I think it's anything which involves you connecting with the emotion of doing the thing. Yeah. Like then you sort of go. Well, actually, ha- having a drink brings out that emotion more. Yeah. 
But they were also stressed because they're easily replaceable and they if you if you fuck up at the ENO and you lose your place in the pit, it's a small world. It's like and Whiplash leans into this, no one forgets. Where do you go? Like you haven't got transferable skills. So if you fuck it up, then it's down the job centre for you and you, your standard of living is like significantly decreased. Not that they're getting paid a ton of money. So so much is riding on it. Like it's not like you can go, I'll just step into another job and everything will be fine. You lose your job, you lose your passion, you, it's ugh, it's so stressful. Did you think, I, I don't know whether this was just me, but uh, I, I think it's a really nice bit of misdirection at the start of this scene where Andrew asks the piano player to play a B-flat mm-hmm. twice. Yeah. And so when the hunt for the out-of-tune band member starts, you think it's the drums and you think Andrew's fucked up oh, by okay. not tuning the drum correctly. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't but I see that, yeah. So, uh, you mentioned this already. Oh, this is why, like, you go, J.K. Simmons deserves every fucking award on the planet. That <laughs> fake bonhomie oh, in the corridor evil. where he puts his hand next to his, his head and you, you don't realise until you watch it again that all he's doing, he's mining for information. Mm-hmm. He's mining for as much information about Andrew's life that he can get so he can use it to fucking... <laughs> and when you know that, that Armelene isn't as friendly, it's, it's his, he's showing his authority and his masculinity over him. It's literal toxic masculinity. This, yeah. is, this is a testicle in human form. <laughs> this <laughs> testosterone personified just standing over him and dominating him. Yeah, but he doesn't know it. Even when it. he's being like, friendly, yeah. yeah. And, we, and we don't really know it, it the knew. first time you oh, watched I it. Oh, I knew. He was going to destroy you. You just saw him do it to someone. And if you were 25 even, you'd be like, you are having me on. <laughs> yeah. But when he's like, just relax. I'm here for a reason. It's like he is, um, it's just, he's tricking you. It's awful. It's, it's so good. Have fun. Do your best. <laughs> yeah, do your best. We don't have to wait very long uh, for that to come to fruition because he literally throws a fucking chair at him. I can't believe In that. the next scene. Not my tempo. But Not my tempo. He, but he, were, you ru- were you rushing or were you dragging? But when he does the thing where he's like, it's okay, don't worry, we'll go again. And he's like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so stressed out. And also I thought, it doesn't come back, but he's like, are you rushing or are you dragging? So he slaps him. He's like, I can't believe you slapped him. That's mm-hmm. mental. But then later on, I thought he was going to say to him, you were neither rushing nor dragging and you should have told me that because you weren't, because you're perfect. You've always been perfect. You need to practice to be the greatest drummer in the world. But of course you weren't rushing or dragging because the man that I just fired, he wasn't out of tune either. So mm-hmm. it's clearly bullshit. It I escalates very fast from wait for my cue to... I will fuck you like a pig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God, are you one of those single-tier people? That's I a brilliant that. line. That's the funniest line you've got. <laughs> that one I can respect, actually, yeah. that put-down. Yeah. The rest of them is cruelty, but this, that's funny. Uh, well, should we do it here? It's, it, it's, wait, this is 2014 this comes out. There's a lot of homophobic slurs yep. in uh, his arsenal of insults. Which Well, he uses the F word, he uses the R word. You call, call someone a, a retard. There's, mm. there's lots of... but. Honestly, I feel like that's the language that guy would use. I guess the difference is it would get him sacked now. Yes. Whereas uh, 10 years ago, it probably wouldn't get you sacked. Yes. I still think he would use that (laughs) language on people, that that particular human being. But you're right, uh, V. uh, The last words from Fletcher after he's made Andrew say, I'm upset at the top of his voice to the band uh, is... Start practicing harder, Nyman. Yeah. And that's his last words. And he does. He bloodies his hand, practicing so hard. Montage. Yeah. Blood montage. Montage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he goes on a Dame Nicole. Uh, 
he can't believe she doesn't know what she wants to do because obviously he's so focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they find common ground in both being sort of outcasts, loners amongst their peer group. And so we see the first band competition. Uh, Tanner. Just, sorry, just before then, we see we see Fletcher being nice to a child. <gasps> <It's> <gasps> What's so that sinister. all about? So, but that, that was really dark. But then, but then you're thinking, no, but I'm thinking, well, is this all an act? Is this all no, an act? No, I didn't think that. I thought the man, the, the child's father has also been abused and this cycle of abuse continues because you don't really? recognise that's what you thought wow. and I thought he's putting his daughter that's in harm it's, no it's not because yeah, he's like, it is. It's, it's not I, I, I thought I think what Chris thought which is that the whole persona that Fletcher has in front of his band nope. is like because he's on a power trip like mm. you said he could be nice yeah. to a child yeah. one second and call them all cucksuckers no, the next but I, he can also be nice to that guy because there is no there is no power dynamic there he doesn't have any an, power an over this guy He's an ex-student, that guy. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he will have undergone the same torture that everybody's undergone, but he's self-internalised and gone, well, that just made me better. That made me who I am today. And so I will put my cute five-year-old daughter (laughs) in the way of this monster. And and they cut the scene where he gives the little girl tiny little drumsticks. (laughs) One day, one day you will be mine. Uh, Well, talking to to drummers, uh, Tanner, the core drummer, gives Nyman his folder and Lyman loses it. Fletcher takes it. It's never seen. We don't need to see it, but yeah. it's definitely Fletcher who takes it because we've already set that up as a thing. So he loses his role to Nyman, does that very funny line where he walks back into the band studio and goes, don't touch my folder. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> love it. Uh, so uh, Nyman now believes Fletcher likes him a lot because he's proved himself. He's falsely thinking that this is the end of the mind games. This dinner scene, I feel, wasn't set up quite... Quite enough for me. I, I, I don't want to be watching a scene and trying to work out what the dynamic is in this family. And I did not know until I read around it that this was like his uncle, mm. uh, Andrew's uncle, Paul Rise's brother. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. As a scene as well, it feels... It's the worst scene in the film. Isn't it? I think so. It it, it it makes important points, but I think it's really badly done to the point that I feel like this scene wouldn't be out of place in the movie Step Brothers. In fact, it feels like some of the scenes in wow. Step Brothers. Okay. You know, the two dumb jock brothers come in and they're just shouting insults at each other. Yeah. It feels a bit caricature-y. But, I mean, we're seeing that the dad is in the shadow of his uncle and isn't very good at standing up to the uncle. So it's another example of dad not standing up for himself. Also, it's... The, what I took from this scene, when I, when I thought about it afterwards, and I didn't get this in the moment, I was like, well, this is, this, is, this, this is sort of a strange scene, is the fact that the uncle is proud of his sons and talks up what his sons have achieved, even though what they've achieved is kind of bullshit. Yeah. And yet Paul Reiser can't stand up for Andrew, yeah. even though what he's achieved is actually quite fucking special. Because, which then ties in, oh, this is how I read it, what ties into the end is that... Uh, Andy wants to be like Ginger Baker and Charlie Parker and Ginger Baker was he like 32 when he died and like you know full of heroin and all of that so his dad is worried about the path it's not that he underestimate um, undermines his achievements it's like these people that you idolise mm. their lives were hard and lonely and short and I don't want that for you which is then ties into the look at the end because uh, he knows that's what's going to happen to him yes this is kill- this is going to kill my son yeah 
So he doesn't. He, he's proud of it, but he doesn't want to make a big deal of it because I think he wishes he was doing something else. Yeah, and, and I also wonder if this scene is there to see that Andrew's a very nice chap when we meet him, but is some of Fletcher's behaviour rubbing off on him? Yeah, because that's he, what it's there He for. turns particularly cruel, doesn't he, when he turns on yeah, his cousins? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's and nasty. It, it, yeah, nastier than they're being, and yeah. it's quite a shock to see that. But I always thought that was because no, like his dad doesn't have his back, so he's but, sort of doing him and his dad. He's overcompensating yeah. because no one else is going to... No one's s- taking him seriously. Fight his corner. Yeah. I just couldn't get my head around. Is he completely insecure? Is he insecure here or is he arrogant? I think he's arrogant. But that's that's the weird thing. It's sort of in that one environment, that family environment, Andrew... It's suddenly like, like almost like someone who could go toe to toe with Fletcher, mm. and yet the rest of the time he's not that person. So it's mm. the, it's the best scene in the film. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just, I just, I just think it's too broadly painted. And as I say, I could see Will Ferrell in this scene. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we're going back to band practice after this break. 2013. Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Show Andrew's got a bit cocky. It's time for Fletcher to bring him down because he brought Ryan mm. into the studio band and Fletcher totally destroys Andrew again. I will say though, so so there was criticism against Black Swan from Ballerina saying that's not really what it's like. Yeah. And I think I think with Whiplash, more people have said that, more drummers have said this is not what it's like in these colleges. It's much more professional. Mm. And I feel like what we're getting here in terms of that, the, it's the Top Gun version of this story. Yes. Where... This shit, as we talked on the episode, this shit does not go down at the Top Gun Academy, but it makes for an exciting story. Well, I mean, what, yeah, definitely. Like, if like if those drummers are going, why don't you tell the real story? It's like, because no one would watch it. <laughs> because in a, in, a, in a drum, I think in real life, when someone's making mistakes, the rest of the band cover for them and help them. Um, and equally... There is a sense of camaraderie. They're, they're in competition with each other, but there's there's more camaraderie than I think is portrayed in this film, where there's none. Yeah. It's just complete hatred for your fellow man. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Fletcher destroys Andrew. Andrew now because things are going badly. 
in his career decides to break up with Nicole. So this scene, um, he basically says because uh, success, is, uh, like, he, what, what does he say? He says she'll resent him for not being able to spend any time with her because he has to focus on his drumming to be the best. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah. I, I think his initial argument that he says to her is fair. Yeah. And I think it's actually what he's doing is a good thing. Mm-hmm. The problem is that what she says back to him in that moment, which is that uh, you want to be one of the greats and you know I would stop you because I don't know what I want and you do and you'll have bigger, more important things to be occupied with. Yeah. Isn't what he said. It's not. not and it. he says... Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, that's that. the fuck up. Go and say exactly to that. Your initial argument was totally justified. Yeah. But like, she sort of like made it personal and made it seem like you're being like, you're not a big deal in my life, which yeah. is not what he was saying, but he should not say in that moment. No. Having had so many arguments in my life, <laughs> I just, I was just like, Something dude, don't say that. <laughs> don't agree with that. Yeah. That's a twist of what you said. Yeah. Because she, she says, how, do you know for a fact that I, if you spent time with me, like, no, what she's saying is, do you know for a fact that if we spent time together, I would get in your way? Mm. And he's like, well, yeah, I kind of do. And she could say, well, well, let's find out, you know, because I could be the sort of person that does fit into your life. Maybe I'm happy to see you really infrequently and I'm still happy mm-hmm. and you don't have to give me all that attention. And like, why don't we just find out? And he said, could you know, I'm just, I don't care enough. And that would, that was fine. Like, that's still quite cold. Mm. And she's gone, okay, maybe I can meet you halfway. And he's like, I, I'm not, I don't care enough to find out. Out, so, and mm. underdeveloped girlfriend character. Uh, well, yeah, a little bit. I feel a bit. Sorry. I mean, she gets her phone call towards the end, but that is the last time you see her. So, <laughs> you don't even see her. No. <laughs> this uh, this film does remind me of a couple of amazing documentaries I've seen since the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, mm. is similar to this about what it takes to get there and what you have to sacrifice and how much of a bastard you maybe have to be to reach that. And this scene reminded me so much of the Tiger Woods documentary about his first girlfriend who. They kind of portray it as this was the real love of his life and he was just told, if you want to make it in golf, you've got to stop seeing that girl. And he never even broke up with her. They were like 16. She, he just stopped showing up to house one day and, the, and then she wasn't allowed around his house to speak to him. And it's like, it really reminded me of that. And this could be this girlfriend maybe making out that she was a bigger part of his story than he was, but everyone seemed to agree there was something special and it was sort of broken just so that Tiger would remain on course to be the greatest. And how do you guys feel about that theory? Like sacrificing, you know, like potential like romance or like being cruel to succeed. I think there's only so many hours in the day. That's the thing. Like, I I agree with him. If he wants to be the best, he can't really focus on anything else. Hmm. Definitely. But he's young enough and cocky enough to sort of not see what he's giving up. Because what is he giving up? Well, he's having a he's having a nice time. They're having a nice time. A more mature person who was more he's very insecure, right? But his happiness is derived from his work. Yeah, but if he was more secure in himself, he'd find a way of making both things work. No, because if he was more secure in himself, yeah. then he'd be like, yeah, I, I can do both, and maybe would never ever succeed yeah. in his career. But the point is, if he was more secure in himself, he didn't need to be tortured by Fletcher to get to greatness. He could he could find his own path. Said, but, but that but but. Yeah, that own path isn't greatness. It could be. He's just so young, he's very malleable, he's very vulnerable to the influence of an older man. uh, He could do. I'd argue that 
I Charlie Parker had a symbol thrown at his head. Did he have a man abusing him every single day after that point, and or did he just did he just practice loads? Like sure. it was so, thrown, it was thrown at his foot. Yeah, that was it was thrown at his say. feet. Oh, was it? In reality, yeah. in the movie, in, in this, they say they threw it at his head, but oh, he, right. it was but, actually but, in reality it was thrown. But at his that's feet. Fletcher okay. using it to justify more violence mm. than than is absolutely necessarily. I, I had a I had a coach who wasn't that far off Fletcher for a couple of years, and that was quite an experience. He certainly got as angry as Fletcher does and yeah. shouted as much as Fletcher does. Yes, and it was, and I look back on that and it was a very good team I was in. But part of me wonders, well, would we have been as good without him? Yeah. What Was his abuse yeah. making me a better player? I actually don't think it was. Mm. And that's, that's what you're saying about Nyman. Oh my God, have you watched oh, Happy Valley? We'll talk about, oh, well, yeah, we'll talk about the PE teacher. Well. Nice. He's a control freak. I just remember my, my PE teacher, who I will say is... No, actually, I won't say <laughs> But I remember, I remember uh, two kids uh, at school and uh, they, they high-fived in the changing room after like some bullshit like rugby game or whatever. They just high-fived. Yeah. But I think they'd been on the losing team and the PE teacher saw them high-five and came over and did that like, passive-aggressive thing. It was like... What was that you just did? Oh, God. What was that? What was that? You just high five there. Just high five there. You babies! <laughs> <laughs> I've never forgotten it. It was just like he screamed in their face. He was like, oh, what was that? What was that little thing you just did there? You, you babies! <laughs> Mad. Good Jesus Christ, though. And then you go home. Do you have a nice day at work? Yeah, I belittled some kids. Good for you, big man. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh. uh, right then, where are we in this show? Uh, he's practising and practising now. Fletcher's plan is pretty much working. Uh, we get the moment where Fletcher walks in and he's all upset mm. because Sean Casey died in a car crash? Question mark. Yeah, so this feels like a key moment watching it this time. The fact that Fletcher is lying to them all yes. about Sean Casey's death. So we know that if he doesn't feel guilty, he certainly feels some responsibility for it to lie to his students about it. Yeah. I think that's a really important moment in terms of figuring out what his psyche is. Could be read two ways, though. I, 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 I argue, I, I'd say that is the most obvious way of reading it, but maybe he's just protecting his students from the idea of someone committing suicide. He doesn't I wish have to he, tell them anything, though. He, could, he should say it later on when they go to the jazz club. He should say, someone in Sean Casey's class grasped me up for being a monster or whatever. The only reason I told you died in a, in a car accident is because I didn't want to upset you because it is upsetting and exactly. this can be a hard road and all the rest of it. And then you find out that it's total bullshit or something like that. Mm. But I wish he'd said that. He doesn't have to tell them anything. He's frightened of them finding out. Yeah, I mean, when you when you see this film for the first time, the way you read it, because you're like, you're a monster, you're very evil, is you're mourning Sean Casey and you've produced tears, but what you're mourning is the loss to the world of the musician, yeah. not the loss of the person. <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? And so you think that's still evil. But uh, I think this is where this is where you either love or hate Fletcher. He's a monster or he's a genius. Yeah. Is where the you can like get on board with someone who is that passionate about an art form that everything else, that, like, reason, like, like monstrosity, emotion, like, everything is for this one pure idea of producing something beautiful. And yeah. if you can believe that, you do end up forgiving this character. Yeah, I know. I yeah, know. it's true. I don't know, but then you've got to sort of believe he's got this god a god complex then that he can create. Yeah, because he gets off on the he, Sean Casey was a squeaker and he loves that for himself. I did this. I made this amazing thing. But he's but but he's a god complex. Like 
I see what you're saying. But he, he, he's never going to be the star. He's always the middleman. He's always the person who is trying to create a genius. He's not the genius himself, and he knows that. Like, he's, like he's a facilitator to create. All right, then, uh, let's have this other incredible scene. Fletcher plays three drummers off against each other. The best line in this scene is where he apologises to Oh, the- my God! <laughs> the other musicians. Because they, no one's made a drummer's joke. Drummer's jokes are ten a penny. Mm. And then, you know, what do you call someone who hangs out with musicians? A drummer. Like, you, there's plenty of them. So when he says, with apologies to the other musicians, he's like, finally, a drumming joke. <laughs> but it's so cutting. And it's because he hasn't stooped low. Like, drum drummers are, in bands, whatever, the source of much mockery, which is possibly why it's such a like difficult path. Because people take the piss out of drummers all the time. Like, anyone can hit something is the thinking, yeah. right? But he's not stooped that low. Everyone, you know, in his band, he treats everyone the same in, in some ways, which is he treats everyone awfully. But he isn't like, yeah, drumming's easy. Why can't you do it? And this is when he does it. This is when he mocks them for their craft. Oh, that's just... It's such good timing for that joke. That's great. I, I Actually, I didn't realised there was that layered into it. I just liked it because of the, the whole thing where he's so horrible to the band the rest of the time. But, the, like, it's it's that... It's that beautiful thing that, like, very good bullies do. Yeah. Which is suddenly go, I'm awful to you all the time, but, but now, now yeah. you're on my side. Yeah. We're a part of a team, and these three yeah. people are the villains yeah. in it's... the room, and they're wasting my time and your time. Come on, team. Yeah. We're on the same side. It's great. Uh, Andrew has a car crash on the way to his next competition. Uh, life imitating art. Chazelle had a car crash uh, or during the filming of this movie, apparently, as the story goes, he had very bad concussion, or he might have had concussion, but he turned up for filming the following day, because if he didn't turn up, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made! <laughs> it wouldn't have got to Sundance, we wouldn't those have whiplash! Those side swipes that you see in film, and a lot of TV, they always get me. I'm such a dummy. Like mm. I'm watching someone drive, I can see he's not focusing, he's on his phone, he's doing whatever, and every single time, I shriek and jump off the sofa. I love you them. You feel it in this one, though. You yeah. really feel the power of it. Uh, so Andrew can't play, even though he's shown his commitment. He's turned up and everything. Fletcher's like, "You're done," and he goes for him. And so that's he... very cathartic because mm. I don't condone violence, but I do want him to hit that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rugby tackle. Yeah, he, he puts his drums away. He's done. Uh, we find out that Sean Casey did not die in a car crash. He hanged himself. His parents believe it was because of Fletcher's treatment of him. I do think we need to establish there is no hard evidence of this. This is parents who believe that the cause was Fletcher. Yeah. And like you said before, Fletcher, there is an argument. He didn't say it because he feels responsible. But there's an argument that says this kid had problems anyway, and none of this is actually related to Fletcher's treatment. Yeah. I'm amazed that they can raise a case based on that because when Andy says, just tell me what you need me to say, it's like it seems like it's done and dusted then and I, you'd think there would be more steps to go through hmm. given that he's just punched him as well. So, whatever. So, Andrew's unwilling to throw Fletcher under the bus but eventually he does. Fletcher loses his job. They have a chance meeting at a bar. This is the first time we actually see Fletcher playing music and we see that passion. Yeah, and he actually likes it mm. rather than it killing him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he's playing the Starbucks jazz that he's moaning about. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> but because he's playing the piano, I think it's nice. It's a nice contrast because it's like, oh, he's got a gentle touch. Yeah. <laughs> 
and we, we, we see what we think in that moment. It's their first adult conversation where there is no power dynamic. I, don't, I disagree. I think the power is wildly Im- imbalanced. And I, my heart breaks for Andy because he's such a young person. And it's the ex that you're like, I'm over it, I'm over it. And you are just dying to bump into them. And he's like, thank God I look all right. Do I look all right? Thank fuck. Okay. And you're having a conversation with this person that you've been dying to see. And you're just like, oh my God, are they noticing me? Like, is this going well? Like he is infatuated with him and he needs his attention. And I bet in his head, he's like, look at us two just having a drink. And just thinking that would be normal. Like, <laughs> that's the inner monologue. <laughs> daddy, I've missed you, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, as a result of that meeting, uh, Fletcher offers him. Uh, well, we learn a lot about Fletcher, and his, basically, this this scene just reveals his entire thinking, which we've sort of we've we've worked out ourselves. But it's interesting to hear him say it out loud to Andrew that he wanted to push people beyond what is expected. It's an absolute necessity, so they'd be the best. He wanted to create another Charlie Parker. Uh, Charlie Parker, just because I looked it up, uh, brilliant jazz saxophonist uh, who. Uh, Fletcher uses as a yardstick for greatness. Yeah. But he didn't create Charlie Parker. And so you could look at this as him explaining what he does, or it's a way of rationalising abuse. Mm. Uh, Fletcher says, uh, basically, uh, well, sorry, Andrew says, what if the way you treat people destroys their confidence and that prevents them being the best? And Fletcher's argument is like, well, if I destroy them through what I do then they were never going to be the best in the first place. They were never going to be a Charlie Parker. It's fucking fascinating. They wouldn't be discouraged, Mm. is the thing. And then I think he's a a monster. I've thought it from the minute I met him. And then in this moment, I was like, oh, he's sympathetic. Like, oh, my God, I I think I'm about to forgive him. Like, he's like, I'll never apologise for... I actually tried is a good line. And I will never apologise for how I tried. Mm. And I know he's an abuser. The worst words in the English language are good job. Yeah, but notice he doesn't say, I think the worst words... in the English language are a good job. He just says it. He's, it's a declarative. He's that sure of himself. He just says the two worst words are a good job. Whereas normal people say, well, I think this. Mm. But he doesn't talk like that because he's so certain of himself. And that certainty is what gives him the, val- the validation he needs to abuse people. And, but him complaining about the fact he's never had a Charlie Parker, that's him blaming the world for his own shortcomings. You no, that's that. him winding Andy up no, and sure, going, exactly. I never had one. Because exactly. in that moment, yeah. he's like, oh, he's going to say it. Yeah. I never had one until I met you. And then his night is perfect, but he doesn't. And he's that's why like, that's why it looks but because, like... But the argument is that this... We'll get onto it with the climax. But the argument here is that this... Like, Fletcher is still in the system. He's still playing the game right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what he's saying... To Andrew, like everything up until, like in the climax where he goes, I knew it was you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think said, I'm fucking stupid? Do- this is still all part of him making Andrew the best. He's setting up a win-win situation for himself. Yes. Where it ends with either him succeeding or revenge. Yes. Which is an, in- it's a genius supervillain plan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because he, he... He can't lose at the end. Yeah, that whole JVC thing, would he fuck it all up just to get his own back? Yes, he would. Because he does fuck it up because he doesn't give the music and it's, a, it's an, an embarrassment. But, like Chris says, that's revenge then for Fletcher because Andrew's disgraced himself in front of everyone, his career is done, or it goes the other way and he's the greatest drummer in the world and then he still wins. Like, it's, it's perfect. Did neither of you... I, I watched this and I wish I had a Fletcher in my life. I um, wish... I, I, I honestly do. I, I look at him and I go, I, I wish I'd had that. For what? For music? For or? this podcast. I, I, I think this podcast will be ten times. I, no, I, 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 I hated being shout, shouted at and I preferred being nurtured and 
It's different horses, different courses, isn't and, it? But and that is the question. It's like obviously you have children, yes. Victoria. Yeah, um, but your job is not to you, shout at them. Too. No, but but there, there is an argument. Like my mum has always been very sort of critical of stuff I've done in yeah. a way of making me go right. I'm going to do better next time. Like and it's it, it, there is the argument there. It's like what works? Is it going that was great when something's not that great, or mm. is it going that was shit to do better? It's just it, you've you've got the child. It depends who you are. It depends what you want, and depends what you're putting. What you it just depends what you want. If the child is in front of you looking for praise, I find it very difficult to withhold that praise in order to get them to be better at the thing they do. Like I just don't care about it enough. I would rather if if I'm not going to overdo it. But if they're like, look at this thing I did. I'm not going to like. You do meet parents that are like, oh my god, you did a thing. That's amazing, <laughs> and that drives me insane. You talk talk to them like with recognition for what they've There's done. There's fecal matter on yeah. this piece of oh paper. My god, well done, <laughs> so. Good. Did you do that? We won't, we won't take this one into school, but that's <laughs> nice. But you've got to build them up so that they've got the confidence. I mean, so my children. No, my children are very <laughs> small as well. But, like, you know, I went to one of their parents' evenings and one of them, the teachers was like, oh, we could be a professional writer. He's so good. And I was like, oh my God. Like, and then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to turn into a nightmare, though. Because I'd be like, you think you can write, though, do you? Or let's see. Let's see. <laughs> Here are my notes. <laughs> what is the third act? I do drill on stuff like that. I'm like, this is great, but obviously it's falling apart a bit in the middle, which is a common problem. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into this. We started talking about it anyway, so uh, here we are. It is the climax. Um, yeah, it was all a trap by Fletcher, as Chris said. A win-win situation for him. You think I'm fucking stupid? I knew it was you. Um, Andrew flames out in the first song. Am I right in thinking... In this moment, what happens, I'm oversimplifying, but it does feel like he flames out in the first song because he doesn't know it. Yeah. And then he walks to his dad, hugs his dad, and basically smells the failure <laughs> on poor eyes. And he's like, mm. oh, no, I don't want that. I'm going to go back. And it's his dad's failure yeah, in life maybe. as a human that motivates him to go back on stage. You represent this stink of his own failure. And I think we got, for me, I, I picked out two Godfather moments here. I know it was you. <laughs> yeah. It's Fredo, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and then this scene when he walks away from the dad and the dad just sort of fades. It's, it's Kay in the Godfather yeah, one. It's that doors. ending where that, that, this is the end of your journey with us here. Yeah. And that's grim. That is really sad because his dad loves him so much. Yeah. And he, he The fact now... that his dad is even there is amazing because yes, his dad... I, I couldn't believe his dad was I there. I couldn't believe it. No. Because Again, he... my dad would not have let me go there. No. I thought he was going to lie to his dad about where he road. was. Yeah. I'm killing that man if you go there. <laughs> <laughs> I will murder him. But he's such an understanding dad that he said, I think this man abused you. We've had this man sacked because of the abuse that you endured. Yeah. However, if it's still important to you, I will support you if this is what you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Ugh. No, it's, it's, and it's, yeah, th this isn't, he's no longer his father yeah. uh, from, from this moment onwards, which is really sad. It's, um, it's a happy ending, though, for everyone. Andrew performs what I'm uh, supposing is one of the greatest drum solos in the history of music. Yep. I don't know, but Who I'm... Who knows? Uh, <laughs> is the happy uh, bit when Fletcher says, I will gouge your fucking eyes out? <laughs> <laughs> but it's... it's, not, it, it's I, I mean, I, I, I do really, really love this climax. It's uh, incredible. I, it's, it's, considering I don't know what is good drumming and what is not, yeah. I like the fact that I'm aware the movie goes, this is good drumming. The best moment is like, he, he goes back on, he's going to do Caravan, the double bass is like, what are you doing? I'll cue you in. He starts doing it. And then Fletcher's livid because he did want to ruin him in this moment. He's mm. playing both sides of the, you know, the coin kind of thing. Is like, he though? I yeah, think, I think I, he is because he's I, fucking livid. And then 
um, Miles tells Andy goes, he mouths, fuck you. And it's like, it's so awesome that he does. Like, it's such a little thing because he's like really busy with his hands. Fuck you. I think he does the song and Fletch is pleased, but his greatness isn't... The song was written, and if you can play a written song, yeah, you're good, but you're not the greatest because you've played a song that was written. So to achieve greatness, you have to go further. And then he goes further, and I think he's improvising or it's his own composition or whatever because it's not on the sheet music. And then he steps into his greatness, and that's when Fletch is like, okay, here we go. This, you are this thing. And so when he's conducting just him and he's doing the up and the down or whatever, then he can be like, I've done it, we've done it, it's a happy ending for both of us. But I do think initially he just wanted to ruin him. Um, and embarrass him in front of everyone. I mean, that, that, and just that, see, you that's, know, that's the question, isn't it? It's like, what was it part of a long game? Was everything? Was every utterance? Was every gesture? Was every word? Was even the like, you know, I gouge your eyes out? Is yeah. it all still just and pushing the best Andrew? Thing is, he's done it. He's done it. He's done it. And then you can see that Fletch is smiling, but you can't see his mouth. So you don't even get the satisfaction of seeing a big grin on his face, or he's like, "Well done, son." You just see his eyes, and he's still not finished because the band have to bring it home. It's Amazing. The only thing I had was this was a showcase for all the musicians to get gigs yeah. after this. And I'm like, yeah. you kind of hijacked yeah. it, Andrew. Well, we but that's there. all this film has been, though. We've established that this isn't how this all works and it's all about one person. But interesting thing about this scene is that... Is when... it, are you going to do the dead thing from Monday? Is that no, I already did it, but I'll, I'll do it again in a minute. Um, is that it didn't work when he got in the edit bay because... He'd hardly had any shots of them looking at each other while he's doing the solo. (laughs) And so what Chazelle had to do was flip the image. He had to digitally move them around the screen and had to fake them looking at each other for a lot of that sequence. Wow. And then it suddenly came to life. And so that is, again, special effects. You're not noticing, but he's tearing his hair out in the edit bay, trying to make this come together. (laughs) And it couldn't be more brilliant. I think uh, what I heard him say was that the car chase in French Connection is only good because you're cutting to Gene Hackman's facial expressions. (laughs) And that's why this drumming works. It's not the drumming you're watching. It's really you're watching them look at each other and acknowledging and changing and, and eventually agreeing. Yeah. But it's wonderful, though. What a happy ending. Andrew becomes the best drummer in the world, TM, and... Dies at 32. Yeah. That's what I said earlier. So so if he's following the Charlie Parker journey, uh, yeah, dead at 32, this is what his father's worried about. You could read it that way. Therefore, they both die in both of these films. I read it like that. I read his dad saying, this is it now. Like, because it's a lonely profession. And I, there is, I've read stuff about why it's so lonely. Because you are, you know, you, you're crafting... Drummers or jazz musicians? Drummers, particularly. Like, they don't get the respect of the other instruments. There's so many jibes to be made about drummers just, hit, just you know, animals hitting stuff with sticks and whatever. And anyone can do it. And even though you're part of the rhythm section, you're, like, driving the whole thing. But you don't get the respect that even, like, the bassist gets and stuff like that so it can be mentally quite a toll because you're working your ass off but everyone thinks you're a bit of a joke like probably that is not true when you get to andy's level but you've been in bands like everyone rips the piss out of drummers yeah. all the time we struggled to find a permanent drummer for batmouse <laughs> sorry i forgot it was called batmouse <laughs> m-a-u-s though M-A- a- like craft work <laughs> uh, right. are you lying no. No, have you ever not. listened to Kraftwerk? <laughs> ever? No. 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 But we were called Batmouse. Batmouse. Yeah. 
Okay, that's not even for Parks and Rec. No, no, no. We got uh, there were in a physics lesson. There was a, a, a hearing scale of various animals, and the list read man, dog, bat, mouse, dolphin. <laughs> and I said, let's call the band man, dog, bat, mouse, dolphin. And someone went, that's terrible. And I went, well, how about bat, mouse? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, but we'll change the M-A-U-S because it'll sound cool. It's fantastic. All right. Uh, so, uh, happy ending for everyone. Andrew's the best room in the world. And, and Fletcher, basically, uh, it's proved right. All, all, all the torture that he has inflicted has been worthwhile to create this genius. He's got his own Charlie Parker. We all need a Fletcher yeah. in our lives. It's a very sad ending. And it's one of the <laughs> most disturbing endings, I think, if I've seen in a film for years. It was, came out 10 years ago. I still think about what the message of this film is. And I think it's a really dark grim message if you, if you read it that way which I think I probably do mm. and um, Andrew's already dead yeah I disagree I'm a happy ending but Andrew's kind of happy guy. because he said at dinner I'd rather be dead at 32 and everyone's yes. talking about yeah. it so right. he gets what he wants yeah okay yeah Maybe actually now, yeah. What, what what is and it's ultimately that question: What is more important, greatness or happiness? Yeah, greatness. And can you have both and all the rest of it? And yeah. if you are happy in any way in your life, <laughs> mm. sorry, does it take question. the um, the sharpness off your you know your craft yeah. or whatever because yeah. you haven't got the hours in the day to dedicate to it? If you're going to have mm. any other sort of life, but you just your mind is sometimes somewhere else and maybe to be fantastic at something you have to be 100% about that all the time and the only person I said that I drew a parallel with what happened in this story with something I've seen in a documentary is Tiger Woods and look how that turned out mm. so, miserable yeah. what is more important greatness or happiness happiness greatness yeah happiness. it's definitely happiness it's greatness <laughs> Well, you'll never know. Yeah, at <laughs> so least I'm fine. happy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm miserable and not great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right then, uh, shall we do the bits? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what's your best scene? Oh, balls! What well, I've got, I've written two here. Right. Which one am I? Picking? I do three sometimes, so I yeah. think you can get away with two. Uh, I think the chaos of the the car crash and the musical sequence that follows it it feels like the chaos of jazz to me, and it just it blows my mind the way it's it's done on such a shoestring budget. It's brilliant. Mm. That. Uh, I just want to I've, I've said it already but all these awesome moments the little girl with the piano that's creepy as fuck um, when uh, Andy mouths fuck you when he's playing the drums I just love that the creepiness of him telling uh, of Fletcher telling Andy to just relax before he destroys him but it is the solo um, when he becomes the greatest yeah, and then the you're just thinking was it his plan and also apart from Andy now being dead it will never be free of him because now they are completely enmeshed forever because they need each other so much that that's it for both of them kind of thing. Although Fletcher will be happy. It will probably like disc, um, discard him when he's finished with him. But Andy can't function without this man because he's put all of that onto him. He can't do it by himself. Do you think that at the end? Yeah. I, I don't know. He needs him so much. I was, I, I, this, is there an argument that he's broken free from him? At no. The end? No. No. I, no, God, if there was, that'd be brilliant because it'd be less stressful. Mm. But mm. I don't think so. Uh, so, I, I, like Chris, I think the car crash, I remember <laughs> laughing out loud. I, I was just, I found it hilarious when the guy's like, dude, don't go anywhere. <laughs> and he's like, nope, gotta go. <laughs> Funny. Uh, but it's that final scene. The whole drum solo, Fletcher's realisation that he did have his own Charlie Parker, Andrew, like, you know, achieving what he always wanted to achieve to be discussed later in the pub. But that's <laughs> my favourite scene. What is your most valuable, whatever, your MVWV? So obviously it is J.K. Simmons' film and he is 
that's just astonishing. It's just amazing. But I want to give it to Miles Teller because he just broke my heart. Like, he's so sweet and he's so confused and he's so insecure. And he, and also as an actor, he's, he knows he's playing second fiddle to this, this big performance. And he just lets that be. Like, he, there isn't a scene, I mean, it's not written, but there isn't a scene where he's like, what a mess I've made of my life or whatever, or chuck his up at the wall or running after Nicole down the street. He's just like, oh, shit, like, I fucked that up. But it's just, he's this big, clever, gifted child. And it's, I think he's perfect as that. Like, you want the best for him, but you're like, oh, you, if you just had a few more years, you wouldn't be in this position. Um, and I think that's very good. So From Miles Teller, yeah, Miles Teller, okay. yeah. They they asked Damien Chazelle if they he cast Miles because he was a drummer, and he said, "Well, Miles was a drummer in rock bands with his friends, so for me, that's a no. He's not a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the poster on the wall, isn't it? But they, um, yeah, but they, um, but yeah. So that's why. He, so his legs aren't really doing much. Yeah, but he figured out the hands and jobs. Jobs done. <laughs> jobs are good. And so what is uh, or what or who indeed is your? Most I'm going to pick Jamie and Chazelle because um, I think it's such a personal and very specific vision. And I mentioned Top Gun. You said Full Metal Jacket. I like the fact that he put all this stuff in a in a melting pot and made it a film about jazz drumming, and it's so compelling. So. Yeah, I think it's. I still think it's his best film. Well, for God's sake, thank God I've got J.K. Simmons because it would be insane <laughs> yeah. if no one picked him. It's one of the most incredible performances I've watched in a long time. I, I honestly think his performance in this is probably the greatest performance I've seen in the last decade. You uh, could do the closed fist thing, just that, and it would make me scared. Oh like. my God. <laughs> he... And the fact that at the end of this, having watched this monster tear apart rooms of people yeah. at the end that when he smiles at Andrew because he realises not because Andrew's great because he's great yeah, yeah. and he his theory he's vindicated what, yeah. he's vindicated yeah. he, like everything he's done has been proved right that smile he gives for himself yes. looking at Andrew <laughs> I still feel a warmth towards the man yeah. and that is J.K. Simmons so J.K. Simmons is my val- most valuable whatever uh, what would you change Chris? Um, I don't know if this would undermine the film and the story, but I'd like a moment where I feel like Andrew's playing drums for his own pleasure and for joy and that he's actually enjoying it. Mm. And then I think I would feel better about the ending if I thought this was something he was doing because he loved, not just because he wanted to be seen as one of the greats, which is the feeling I get. Mm. B? It's like a big one and a small one and it doesn't really work, but I I did struggle a bit. So... um, Using the F word, using the R word, I know it's like a few years old now, it removes any of the nuance that I like, which is he a baddie or is he just, is Fletcher a baddie or is he just doing what needs to be done the same when he, uh, with the fat shaming. So I don't, he can humiliate people, he can uh, denigrate people and he does a very good job of it. But every single time he used the F word, the R word, I was like, you're just a baddie Mm. and I can't get that out of my head. And it's much more trippy and naughty if you're like are you actually the hero of this story (laughs) but and every time he did that i was like no you're just a dickhead so i just wish that language wasn't in it i know that a person like that would use that language but i love the idea of watching this this character where you're like i don't know if you're bad or good but you telegraph badness to me when you use language like that so Mm. it's but it's i suppose it's a bit of a silly thing and also isn't that his way of telling you this guy's a baddie yeah, isn't that the point? Yeah, it's just so difficult. When you, you would first... use you would use different put downs, but it's a better it, it is a better 
I think it's a better film if you if you don't have that telegraphed. If he, I, I agree. I think take that language out, and it's like he's still a baddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why do I love him so much? It's a very powerful performance. I think. Um, yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. Just remove all of that. Like, because when when he first when he throws the chair at Andy's head. You're screaming at him, just go home, just get up and go home, <laughs> fuck it, I don't want any of this enough, like, you're going to kill me, I'm going home, and he doesn't, he's rooted to his seat. Because but... he's got the, he's got the belief in Fletcher that Fletcher can make him better. Yes, that's what I mean about them being enmeshed forever, like, he needs him. Um, mine's really simple. Uh, the movie's called Whiplash. The final song he plays should be Whiplash, not Caravan. <laughs> it's just, just... Really? Yeah, that makes it more like a sports movie, though, wouldn't it? Because it's like the manoeuvre you can't do. And it's a great it title, though. It's yeah. a great title. It's a great title. It's a great song. Yeah, uh, in the movie, so it should be the final song that he like. Car- like Caravan doesn't have a drum solo in it, so he can just do Whiplash and then drum solo. Do and you then think because ev- there's no women in the studio band, and there's one girl in the baby band, and he he um, is very rude to her. Interesting. So do they not put women in the studio band because he would, if he's going to rip everyone, he would have to use language that even back then they'd be like, that's too far because a man like that would do that because he's already just done it with the baby band like are you here because you're cute or do you get your place Mm. so to just get rid of all of that there's just no women in that room interesting because women would complain and be taken seriously whereas and the character but he's already he's already done it to that woman earlier yeah but then why when we get get to the heavy stuff you know when he's like someone's out of tune um, it's not good enough (laughs) yeah that's true they can't play instruments she was just cute she was just cute (laughs) Uh, right then Shall we do the verdict? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! Why not? Yeah. Question? <laughs> so, Alex, would you like to go first, please? Sure. Very, 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 very close this week. Uh, much more close than I thought it was going to be. Uh, Whiplash is brilliant. And one of those moments, uh, movies that is almost deliriously efficient no meat on the bones it, every scene feels essential to the story which is what happens when you have 19 days to shoot a movie um i had a massively visceral reaction to some of the scenes in whiplash like the anxiety that it caused me i could feel incredibly however black swan is also very good but it's flabbier it's hypnotic in a way that Whiplash isn't. You feel like you're drawn into this fever dream, a surreal world, an unreliable narrator. I also had visceral reactions to the finger porn. Uh, which <laughs> it's, I, porn? A bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a certain kind of uh, person. But I'm not really into that. I don't want to see skin being ripped off fingers. It doesn't do anything for me. Toenails coming off makes me feel sick. And also nothing matches J.K. Simmons' performance in Whiplash. My vote is for Whiplash. Vicky, up next. I found this really, really, really hard. So obviously Black Swan is stylish, more stylish, and the body horror just gives it another element of like coolness. And I do like that the lead actor got the Oscar, so it's quite focused. Like You're watching the best performance of mm. you know that year, ostensibly. Um, but then I like that Andy is like second in his own story because that kind of is his story, isn't it? Like He's not in charge of his own destiny. Uh, Fletcher is in charge of his destiny. The world of Whiplash I find easier to understand. Like I know what good versus great drumming looks like, but I don't know what it looks like to push yourself in ballet. Um, but I agree with you, Alex. The structure of Whiplash has just got unbelievable momentum. Like Build him up, knock him down, give him a place, take his place away. It's a sports movie, but if you win, you die. <laughs> so <laughs> I found it very effective. Just, it's just incredible. Uh, so yes, Whiplash. Wow. 
We have a winner, and the winner is Whiplash. Chris? Um, same as you guys. I've written down both brilliant films, very hard to pick. Uh, I think Black Swan is sillier. I also think it might be a better film. Uh, but I can't empathise with anything in Black Swan, whereas there was so much in Whiplash that got to me. You talk about anxiety. I didn't even mention this. But so much of Whiplash feels like a stress dream that any of us could have. Oversleeping, missing <laughs> drumsticks, wrong chart, losing the book. Those are all things that anyone could experience going to school or work. And so um, that, as well as the ending and the questions that it poses, um, as I said, they really stay with me. It kind of haunts me thinking about what this film is telling us and what and what it makes me feel. And so, yeah, for that very personal reason, I'm voting for Whiplash, but profuse apologies to Black Swan. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Three for three, though. Yep. Whiplash is our winner this week. Don't forget, however, despite Whiplash being our winner here on the pod, you can have your votes when the poll goes up on our Twitter at ClashPod. Tell us how right or wrong you think we got it. Right then, let's look ahead to our final Feb Group Fanny. It continues for just one more week with a pairing suggested by one of you. The clue I gave on Monday was spying on your wife. <laughs> James. Uh, spying on my wife, spying on your wife, spying on a wife. And next week's clash is True Lies versus Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm a bit nervous. I, I was doing um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith this morning. Yeah. I remember it being worse than it actually is. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, no, <laughs> I remember thinking, this ain't it. I, well, the, my true lies is the inverse, because I remember it being fucking amazing. And he rides a horse in a lift. <laughs> it is amazing. It's Wait a sec, can we do it next week? <laughs> I've, got, I've got to go. Oh, yes, yeah, uh, All right, then. So that is your homework. Do your homework. It is True Lies versus Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Monday for our final February Fanny of 2023, talking True Lies. Have a lovely weekend. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.